You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up? It's Lurk. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Van Flip Podcast. I'd like to apologize for the lack of updates or episodes, COVID, vacations, time off, all those kinds of things played into the part of it. So apologies. However, we are back. We are running at full steam. We've got a laundry list of people lined up for the podcast. So let's buckle down and get back into the swing of things, shall we? If this is your first time checking out the podcast, or if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Those definitely help us out with the algorithm in the podcast world. Also, if you want to go ahead and share this podcast with a friend of yours, please do so. You never know. You might turn your friend on to their new favorite podcast. Make sure you're following the Van Flip on Twitter, at Van Flip Podcast. Actually, go ahead and tweet us right now. Let us know you're listening. Speaking of social media, make sure you follow Lamgoat as well. Give us a like on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Lamgoat. Make sure you visit Lamgoat.com to stay up to date on news, releases, and announcements from around the hardcore and metal world. And if you enjoy watching podcasts rather than just listening to them all these episodes and more content are available on the lamb goat youtube page so make sure you head over there give us a sub and hit that alert bell so you always are notified when new episodes and content are uploaded at this point i want to shout out all of our patreon supporters jc alec jeff lachlan and dylan thanks for your continued support i can't express how much your contributions help out the podcast speaking of patreon supporters starting this month at the end of each month we will do a random giveaway to one of our supporters this month we are giving away internal incarceration the new album from year of the knife on vinyl all Patreon supporters are already automatically entered, so head over to patreon.com slash thevanflip to learn how you can help expand the podcast and win some free stuff. And one more announcement before I kick on the intro. I'd like to have a new theme intro, so if you have an idea for a new intro, hit us up at Vanflip Podcast on Twitter and let me know. On this episode of the podcast, we have Diamond Row, lead guitarist for the band Tetrarch. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is the stuff. Oh no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Um today's guest is diamond row uh she recently was touted by was it the singer of disturbed i you know i don't know it was just from their uh their band page it was just really weird you know i like was on our band page and i see like disturbed has tagged you in something and i was like what like what did disturbed tag me in you know so it was weird i don't know who it was but yeah <laughs> They were like, uh, it was about your guitar skills. It was like one of the one one of the people to look out for, or it was the uh, I did a like a, a list with Metal Hammer, and it was like your top ten new metal influences, and I put Dan on there. So that's what they they posted, which is interesting because I wouldn't even think they would have saw it, but yeah, that's what they they uh, they reposted. So well, that's cool. That's cool. Well, going back to your band and who you are, you were Diamond Row. You were the uh, the lead guitar player of Tetrarch. Is it te- is it pronounced Tetrarch? Tetrarch. Tetrarch. So it's kind of like if it, the C H was a K. Tetrarch. Okay. Okay. But you said it so much better than most. So <laughs> good job. <laughs> I, I tried to yeah, I tried to pronounce it beforehand. I tried, I looked it up and everything because uh, yeah, yeah. It it is also like a Roman Empire 
type of situation, and I found the meaning of it interesting. It's one of four rulers, and you guys have four people in the band, and I was wondering if that kind of played a part in the naming of the band. Yeah, so it's like I tell people all the time, me and Josh, we met the singer guitar, rhythm guitar player in our band. We met in middle school, like in when we were like 11 or 12. So when we we kind of started some form of Tetrarch in like when we were 14. So it was like we were in history class or something. You know, you're looking, we went through all these names, like when it didn't even matter, but like we went through all these names and we're in history class and they said something about a Tetrarch and we're like, that kind of works. So it just kind of stuck and it is like a kingdom ruled by four people. So we were like, oh, there's four of us in the band, so that'd be cool. And here we are, so. <laughs> yeah, you guys are getting a lot of like, notoriety and a lot of you know people talking about you lately um mm -hmm. but you guys technically started in like 2007 correct like yeah is that when yeah, you we... met josh in is that in seventh grade or did you start making music around that time too or was that at a later point so i met josh in 20 in 2012 or 2002 excuse me 12 2002 <laughs> but we like kind of started jamming together closer to high school um and we didn't play our first show as Tetrarch, like, at a local venue until 2007. So it was, like, me and Josh and then two others that, you know, obviously aren't in the band now. But it's, like, our first show. And at that, <laughs> what's funny is at that time, a lot of people were, like, look at us as, like, some sort of new metal band now or something. But back then we were, like, straight up a thrash metal band, like, <laughs> like, like completely Megadeth, like, you know, fast, thrashy riffs. So it was a form of Tetrarch at the time. I mean, we always say 2007 because that's kind of just when we were like, okay, let's start playing shows and, you know, do the real band stuff. Did you guys really play 100 shows that year? Probably because, honestly, we were, you know, at that point when you're just learning how to play shows and, and stuff, you're not, like, thinking about draw or anything. You're just trying to, like, get better at playing shows. Like, you just enjoy it. So we would play a show Friday, Saturday, Sunday every weekend like when we weren't in school and then when we were in school we would just play whenever so it was like and sometimes we'd play the same there was a venue called insomnia by our bar like you know kind of out in the boonies of georgia but they would let us play like back-to-back -back days just because it was like this little small place so we would play there all the time so absolutely probably played about 100 shows that year just learning how to play shows there might not have been anybody there but you know <laughs> getting the feel for thing getting, they, get, yeah so some of them could have been this. more like a practice, but. <laughs> and you guys are from Atlanta or around Atlanta? Because you're playing, from... playing some shows in Douglasville when you started, correct? Yeah, exactly. So we're from, we were all born in Atlanta. Well, me and Josh uh, were from Atlanta, but we lived like kind of a little bit on the outskirts, like 20 minutes, like in the suburbs, you know. That's cool. Um, yeah. So when did you guys, like, you guys started recording, it sounds like, or from the internet because there's not that much about you guys on the internet just yet even though you guys <laughs> have been like a band for some time so it was interesting to yeah. try to dig up info but um you guys self-released an ep relentless in 2013 um did you guys record any of that thrashy metal stuff in the early days or is that we all did like, we hey. did we had we have a we had an ep before that actually two eps before that one called pravda which was really thrashy and then one called the will to fight um, which the will to fight used to be on like our Spotify and our iTunes. So we took it down <laughs> recently because it was, it's just like so far removed from what we are now. Um, 
but it's like a super thrashy. It, I mean, there's some sick stuff on there. We listened back and we're like, man, we were killing it. But um, yeah, we did have a couple before Relentless. Relentless, we kind of had a little like metalcore turn of events for a bit. That's kind of where we started shifting. Um, but the one before, the two before that were definitely thrashy. I don't know how people, they might be on YouTube, honestly. I think some of it is on YouTube. But other than that, I don't know how people can find it. So how did you get into playing guitar in general? Um, yeah, so I I tell people all the time, like, for me, I was always one of those kids where it was like, when I got into something, I didn't want to sit on the sidelines, and, and I wanted to be a part of it always. So when I started getting into heavier music or, like, into rock at the time, I think, I, like, I started with Nirvana and then, it, like, System of a Down and progressively got heavier, I instantly just wanted to, like, play guitar and be in a band. So... I told my my parents, I was like, oh, I want to play guitar. My mom was like, my mom was so stoked, actually, that like I was getting into something. She's like, oh, this is great. Um, she she went out and got me a guitar uh, probably that week, and I started lessons. Like on my 13th birthday or 12th birthday, I started guitar lessons. So um, that's basically it, and I didn't put it down. Like I took it to the bathroom. I took it to the dinner table. I took it in the car. Like I never put it down, and they were so surprised because, you know, they hope it's not like a phase or something that I'm just, you know, I put down um, quick and it, it wasn't. I stuck with it like crazy. My brother used to be like, this is just a phase, like, you know, but it, it didn't end up being one. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely how, how I did it. It was really natural and it's weird because people say to me all the time, they're like, there was no nothing big that like made you want to play guitar. And I literally just remember being in the car and being like, I think I want to play guitar. Yeah. Like it just popping into my head like that. I don't, I don't really know. So you were, have you grown up on a steady diet of like grunge metal and new metal influences or like how did you stumble into that as well? Um, I actually didn't. I, you know, I was into your typical like NSYNC and, you know, <laughs> hip hop and like Puff Daddy back in the, at the time and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I had a friend in school. She was a little older than me. She was actually my brother's age, but you know, you like kind of look up to somebody and like, you think they're yeah. cool. Yeah. And she was into like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and like a lot of bands like that. So she was always talking about like Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain. And I was like, oh, I gotta go look up who this dude is. Cause she's <laughs> always talking about him. She's obsessed with this guy. And I went out and I bought like the Nirvana MTV unplugged, like, um, acoustic album. album yeah it's really good and i remember listening to lake of fire i think that was the first song i like the cover they did i ever heard um and i was like oh they're not that bad you know which was like the perfect start because it was soft it wasn't right. anything like crazy um and then i think that same time i bought that album i was like i'm just gonna buy another rock album and i saw toxicity so i bought that at the same time just because it was there and it looked cool um and those are the two i started with and you know I, I started with that and then I, I was listening to the radio, you know, like at the time it was like a lot of Linkin Park and Disturbed and all that kind of right, stuff right. on the radio. So I kind of gradually got into it, but I definitely wasn't into it to start. You know, it was it was it was something I, I sought out. That's cool. Yeah. A lot. Of, I mean, yeah. a lot of people that seem to listen to heavier music, they don't naturally click with it right away in general. It's, you know, you got to kind of grow into it. Kind of like beer, you know, it's an acquired taste, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. And it, but it really matched my personality. Like I'm super like, you know, like I'm very like, my personality is very aggressive and stuff like that. So it, it definitely was like fitting for me and I, and I loved it. And I was always like, I was always so like unique, like for like my demographic of a person, you know, <laughs> like I'm a black girl, but I like loved motocross and like 
fishing and like you know I was my big thing for music was softball like I was an avid softball player so like it's always into weird stuff um so, so it was only natural that I went to to metal like you know my parents weren't surprised at all they're like oh yeah that <laughs> seems about right we saw it coming a mile away oh yeah for sure so your parents don't listen to similar styles or um so my my dad's actually been in the music business for 40 years so he he is a like a, a arena tour promoter so he did, but he always did like he worked with like michael jackson like r kelly and and prince and a lot of like that genre um but so no he he knew nothing about metal at the time except for metallica because he had to he was booking tours and routing around metallica's tour all the time because they yeah. were doing you know, two days in an arena and all that kind of stuff um but you know and my mom she is a little more open-minded with music She's totally a metalhead now. Like her favorite <laughs> metal bands, Gojira, and she loves them. Nice. And like she, you know, when I play something not super heavy, she's like, eh, you know. Um, but I, I kind of taught them about metal, you know, and in, cool. in hard rock. Yeah, and and they're, you know, but they've come a long way. My mom jams that stuff all the time, and my dad, like, he calls out band names all the like. He was talking about Ginger today, and I'm just like, we have come a long way there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're doing good. <laughs> so you guys, um, you guys did the self-release uh, EP, um, the Relentless EP, and then you kind of, there kind of was there a gap in between that till about now, like 2018, when you released Freak? Was there like a time where you guys weren't? Because uh, on your Wikipedia page, at least, it says that there was no drummer maybe for that period mm -hmm. of time. Was that like so, a, uh, a break or were you just looking for a new drummer or were you guys still working? We had a couple things that happened. It was like, we had a, we had a drummer. Um, he was from Maine and he moved down to Georgia to join. Um, and then he like, after a couple, like a, after about a year, I don't even know if it was that long, but he kind of decided that he didn't want to be in the band anymore. So he wanted to move back home. And it was during that point that, where we were had decided we were going to move to LA. So it was kind of like just this period of transitional period of time where, you know, we did not have a drummer, but also we were about to move. So it was like, well, we're moving to LA. Um, I'm sure we can find one out there. Um, and luckily we had a friend that introduced us to Ruben who had just moved here from Venezuela. So that, that worked out perfectly, but it wasn't that we really stopped or took an intentional break. It was just more so us preparing for, what we needed to do when we got out here. Um, but to a lot of people, it seems kind of like we just like went on a, a brief hiatus, but it, we didn't really, you know, we were working on writing some music and stuff during that time too. That's cool. And did, when did you guys move out to LA from Atlanta? We moved here, um, September, 2015. Oh, okay. So it's been, it's been a little bit then. Yeah. Um, did you, um, obviously you wrote, you wrote most of your freak album out there, but, you recorded it in Florida, so did you travel all the way back here to uh, to Audio Hammer? We actually recorded. So we recorded our Relentless EP at Audio Hammer. We recorded Freak with the same with Dave Altero, same person we recorded um, this one with in Denver. So we and a lot of people are like, "Why did you move to LA and you record everywhere but LA?" But it's like we we did it in Denver um, with him in like. I think we started that record in January of 2016. So literally right after we moved, we went to Denver and, and started Freak. Interesting. And mm -hmm. did you just say that you had your your second LP already recorded? 
Um, so you mean the one coming up? Yes, correct. Your, <laughs> yeah, your, yeah. Your, your, so your sophomore quote-unquote album? It's completely done, yeah. It's been done for months. Mm. <laughs> do you know? Yeah, like, we, do you know when it might might come out? Um, we're still tossing it around. You know, before it was supposed to come out in the summer of this summer, and then you know, obviously the pandemic and all that happened, so we pushed it back to the fall. But now we're with Napalm, and um, we're kind of adjusting now, getting everything set there, and it might be pushed back a little bit more. But we have like a few singles and stuff that we're dropping soon. So, okay. And, um, yeah. was that a plan or was like, was, was Napalm out of the blue or cause you said you had it, the release planned already mm-hmm. for the summer, obviously then the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. But you recently just signed a Napalm records, uh, mm-hmm. to another quote unquote, very lucrative deal as yeah. uh, we've posted about, but, um, <laughs> Was that like how did that happen? How did how did you guys get in touch with Napalm? Did they reach out to you and like how did that deal work out? Um, it was through our management. You know, they they we weren't. It wasn't necessarily a plan, um, but you know we we've, we've had several labels interested, and honestly, we just we didn't want to rush into anything with anyone. We wanted to make sure we got the right deal, so they were able to give us what we were looking for, and you know, we pulled the trigger on it. So. <laughs> interesting um was napalm like a label that you guys were looking forward to maybe signing to or were there like what were the ones that you guys wanted to be a part of we wanted to be a part of on it you know we've always been a band that like we have the means to do it ourselves so we we're not afraid to do it ourselves but we were we always said like if we signed to a label or when we signed to a label you know we wanted to be one that is as excited about us as we are them and you know, sees our vision. We have like really big goals, you know, um, bigger than in most bands in today's day and age. And so <laughs> we have to have a team with us that kind of believes the same thing and believes that it can happen. Um, and they were, so it, you know, it was about, you know, we wanted whoever believed in us the way that we believe in ourselves and vice versa. So, you know, they, they proved that they did and, and that's all that that we needed. That's cool. They, Historically, they've been like a very metal um, label, but as far as like they they do all different outlet like different offshoots of metal, like black metal, progressive mm-hmm. metal, this that or the other. But they also do other. It seems like recently they're starting to you know expand. They do like you're more like Devil Driver, I guess, um, mm-hmm. with on on Napalm because they're on Napalm as well. But they've expanded to other kind of subgenres of metal. Uh, like the Dropout yeah. Kings and stuff like that. So um, how do you feel being like one of the bands that kind of stands out a little more on their roster? Yeah, it's cool because like a lot of their bands are, you know, especially being a European, you know, bass label, a lot of their bands are like, you know, they have a lot of like power metal bands yeah. and a lot of, you know, stuff like that, like European metal. But we actually like that a lot because like you said, we do kind of stick out on the label. We're not like, one of 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 many of the same genre um and they also don't have like a ton of american bands so it's really cool that we're one you know one of the few american bands that can cross over and everything um so i think i think that would be cool it'd be something that isn't just like one of many and and that's an, that was another thing we really liked you know um whereas we could go to another label and just be kind of one of their crossover metal bands, you know, right. um, with Nap with Napalm, it, you know, we we stand out, so that's cool. 
That's cruel. And uh, mm-hmm. so basically, I guess like the pandemic somewhat worked out for you guys because you know it you gave you time to like not go anywhere and do anything, but also I guess this deal kind of you know I don't want to say f- fell in your lap, but obviously you could focus more on other things outside of playing. Yeah, and it, it's it's funny because everyone's like you know they're like oh it sucks the pandemic and it, it really it's kind of weird to say but it kind of played into our advantage a little bit because. I say this all the time. This was going to be one of the craziest years of touring, like, for this genre in a long time. We had, like, Deftones going out with Gojira and Megadeth mm-hmm. and, you know, Trivium and Lamb of God. And we it was just, like, insane. So it was going to, have to, it was going to be a lot of for, like, an up, a rising band to, like, sift through, you know, as far as, like, touring concerned. And, like, there was album, a lot of albums being put out this summer. But with the pandemic, it kind of helped us a little because we didn't have to sift through all that traffic. You know, um, right. a lot of bands postponed things or pushed it back. So it was kind of like, you know what, dude, like this is kind of this is OK for us because we don't have a t- like all this competition and people are at home and they're bored. Um, so we can really push something out there and, and people have the capacity to listen right now because they're not, you know, going to work every day or, or whatever. Right. So it worked out a lot for us. We always try to just adapt to what's going on because you know and like the music business in general there's always going to be some kind of problem not a pandemic but there you know there's always right. going to be like or, or delays. So, yeah yeah so the most you the more you can adapt the better off you'll be so that's just what we try to do so how would you describe to someone who's obviously never heard of you or never seen you live how would you describe the current sound that they could ex- you know expect on the uh on your upcoming album is it still titled unstoppable it's unstable, yeah. Unstable, um, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, it, yeah, it is still unstable, and I would say, you know, it's there's a lot on this record. There's a little bit of something for everyone. Um, I say it a lot, but there's stuff on this record that's like the heaviest stuff we've ever done, like literally the heaviest stuff we've ever done. And then there's also stuff that's like super catchy, something you might hear on Octane or whatever. Um, so it's it's a little it's a mix, but we do like. We grew up on bands where it's like they could be like super heavy, but they still have like those big catchy choruses and stuff you can sing back and like people who might not be into metal can still get into them. And we always kind of write with that in mind. That's just kind of what we enjoy doing. So that's basically what this this album is. That's where we are, you know. People, you know, there's the typical comparisons people give us like Slipknot and Linkin Park and Korn and all that. Um but I would say it, it's, it falls somewhere in that realm, you know, throw a little Lamb of God in there and some solos and, you know, that's us. But I, I, would, I always just say like mainstream metal, you know, like some people call it gateway metal, you know, which I'm all right with. So just <laughs> your mainstream metal that you can like sing back, you know, nothing, nothing too extreme. <laughs> it, yeah, that's a good description of it. Um, I would say I'm basing it off of your, your latest single that you just put out because I'm, I'm assuming – that's more of kind of what unstable will be. Um, I'm the single. I'm not right. Correct. That is that on the album. It is. Yeah. So based off of that particular song and I've, I listened to freak a lot today as well, just to kind of get into, into a mindset of like your, your, your sound and stuff. But yeah. um, I would say like Josh kind of has a, at times, like a Chester Bennington vibe, so I get the uh, Lamb of God. I'm uh, not Lamb of God, sorry, Lincoln Park yeah. reference. Um, and also, corn, heavy corn, 
Definitely, yeah. I think. But, you know, when when I ask people about you guys, because, like, I've known about you guys probably since 2000, late 2018. Yeah. Um, when when a lot of people talk about you guys, it's all it's about the solos and the guitar mm-hmm. and the riffs, and you're a big yeah. part of that. So um, how, how do you feel about, you know, writing solos over, over all this, you know, new metal type sounds, but trying to make it, you know, mainstream metal like? Yeah, no, I think it's fun. You know, it. There's so many, so many, so many. Like guitar players are so abundant nowadays, and there's so many really, really good guitar players. Like, their guitar players today are just insane. So it's always cool for me to be able to solo or riff over something that you don't like hear every day. Because there, you know, while there are so many amazing, amazing guitar players nowadays, and like they write some crazy riffs and they're awesome. Sometimes it's really hard to distinguish one from another a lot now because there's so many it's like very saturated and so for me i enjoy um being able to solo being able to riff over something that you don't hear like every single day on every album by every band (laughs) so um i think that's really cool you know and and it you know we just with freak was the first time we really tried to incorporate kind of like some of that new metal influence in there um we had never tried it before and it just worked out well it wasn't necessarily a conscious effort we just started writing and that kind of came out a little bit um and people liked it so with this album we were like you know what we're just gonna jump in head first and do whatever we want do what comes out natural um and that's that's what kind of came out natural but it's insane like you know there's some sick riffs on this record and and like for instance, you know, people say like, oh, there's not many bands that have new metal influence that solo. But like I, I always like I say, I compare my playing a lot to like a Jim Root or something where it's not very boxed in. So like he might have a song where it's just like one riff the whole song and there's not much going on. But then he has another one where him and Mick are just riffing like crazy and like there's a solo and it's super cool. And, and I like that. Like I like, you know, you can't expect just one thing from me as a guitar player. Um so that's kind of always what we try to do. We just write what we enjoy. And that's how this record is, too, guitar-wise. It's like there are songs where there's a lot of riffs and there's a solo and it's fast. And then we have some like I'm Not Right where there's no solo. Um, it's more sounds-based and all, and all that kind of stuff. So I enjoy all aspects of guitar playing. Um, it's funny when people are like, oh, you know, the riffs are gone or that sounds like head or something. And I'm like... <laughs> there's nine other songs on the record guys it'll be okay um so yeah it's just whatever whatever we feel i don't like to be boxed in but i like to have a good time and just explore the guitar as much as possible yeah i mean because in the another interview you said um you had on youtube at some point or somewhere um you were you were speaking about when you were on freak you guys were experimenting a lot and how like on this upcoming record you kind of like honed it all in so it's it's interesting you said that you jumped in head first on the new metal kind of vibes but you know, I'm glad that uh, a lot of people are letting go of the gatekeeping of new metal, and new metal is becoming like a cool again genre. Uh, yeah, I, I was a big fan of new metal early on. So when you say like, "Oh, it sounds like Head PE," I'm like, "Yeah, but there's a lot of still diehard Head PE fans out there." Yeah, no, it, and it's it's funny because I say I I was when I was talking to Metal Hammer, I said the same thing. It's like, you know, I think. Um, a lot of the people who grew up on on like new metal like that that era are now like an emerging band so like that sound is coming out a lot like 
I heard a new Northlane song yesterday because someone tweeted us, like tagged us in a tweet with them. And I listened to it and I'm like, that is a straight up new metal song. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. We're all like kind of around the same age that are coming up. And so that's what we loved. And that's what we saw at the forefront at that time. Um, and that's what we truly enjoy. Like that's, like I said, still to this day, those are the bands that I listen to. And I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't a deep diving new metal fan. Like I wasn't listening to like a lot of Cold Chamber or anything like that. <laughs> but it was, de- it was definitely Disturbed. You know, Linkin Park, Corn, that you know, System of a Down, like Ozfest those bands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those were the bands that just really got me into this. So, you know, I and I enjoy it. I enjoy that they were heavy. They had groove. They could play fast. They had like weird ominous sounds and like you know star power vocalists and all that like it was just there's a lot about about that time that i think also like it's a tangent but i think also helped metal too because oh, yeah. you know it it brought metal to the like people don't give it enough credit those bands brought metal to the forefront you know like it became bigger than you know a lot of bands had ever been at that time 100 so TRL, yeah, it, trl and uh mtv and i mean you know corn people forget corn think life is peachy peaked at number three on the billboard when it released you know yeah and that's insane and that was like basically the kickoff of like new metal but yeah yeah i, I don't do you do you follow the punk rock nba i do i watched i actually watched his uh i've watched a lot of his videos but yeah, Finn. i did watch the new metal one uh yeah. not long ago <laughs> yeah no, I, I, that's the one i'm kind of I'm kind of referencing right now in my head because um you know he kind of nailed it on the on the head there it it did blow up like insanely for that like little time period but it was yeah. also like very influential, and um, and it's interesting. You also say that you know, like people your age, or, or and again, I don't know how old you are, but um, younger people grew up listening to that. And like you said, your first you know two CDs were uh, the Nirvana Unplugged and Toxicity, and Toxicity mm-hmm. is like one of the best new metal albums of all time in general. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, so using that as like a crux into that genre is amazing and that album is insanely heavy and also has like you know hardcore slash metalcore vibes throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing so it's it's a great album it's still really heavy too i listen to it now and i'm like those guitar t- tones are still so heavy yeah, no, yeah. For, every know, time i listen years to later. prison song when it first kicks on i'm like god damn that is fucking it, it's heavier than i remember it you know what i mean oh yeah oh yeah and and also what i think is cool and a lot of people say like it might be some kind of cop-out is like you know the you could if at that time you could name everybody in all those bands like you could look at system of a down you could look at you know corn or whatever and you knew every member of the band you see a poster and you're like oh that's fieldy from corn or you know and i feel like it's something that's been lost now you know it's so hard like you show me a picture of a lot of bands now and i'm like unless it's the singer or something i'm just like i have no idea who that is you know unless they're like a huge band um but during that wave it was like almost like metal bands were becoming like kind of like pop stars at the time and i think that like you know there's something to say about that like you know i people i think people don't give it enough credit sometimes for what it did for for the genre for the time it was around yeah no it it definitely got too popular too quick and turned into a pop thing which probably was a negative drawback for the whole genre but yeah amongst all that there was some great there was some great stuff and like yeah like you said they even had like magazines like j14 styled magazines for new metal oh i know like circus like circus uh magazine yeah hit parader or something yeah all those yeah it reminds me of my like teenage bedroom i used to 
buy those magazines and have like you know that's when you say you knew everyone in the band you definitely did because like you would you know they there's only like a handful of bands that they were actually you were able to get a hold of in general like that's true this is early yeah. internet days too you know like right that's true dial up and cable internet had just maybe started but yeah uh, yeah that was that was a great time <laughs> oh yeah i agree <laughs> so speaking of like your guitar work and all this that the other um, you you gained a lot of praise in the last couple of years, and you were actually was it the first black female to be on the cover of a couple guitar magazines for I should say metal and rock. So it was the first African American female like lead guitar player to be featured in major publications. So like Guitar World, Guitar Player, Premier Guitar, um, which I didn't even know until someone told me one day and I like hit up my publicist and I like look, we were looking around and I was like holy shit like I I am like this is the first um so it, it wasn't something we were trying to do or anything like that it just naturally happened and it became a really big deal um so it was a it was a pleasant surprise yeah I mean does it make you feel like how does it feel to be kind of like in the grand scheme of things, you could be looked up to as like an innovator of some of some kind to other, you know, females in general. How does that make you feel? It's pretty cool. Like I, I am thankful to have, have that, um, and to have made that happen because like I said, when I started playing, um, people used to always mention to me as well, like, you know, you're, like, you don't see a black girl playing, like, metal guitar. And I would be like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not, like, I was like, that's dumb. Like, it's not even something that I even think about. Um, but the older I got, people started mentioning it more. Like, you know, um, this is unique. This is really different. And I noticed how much it made people curious about Tetrarch in general, just that element of our band. And I always thought it was weird. But as I got older, I think I embraced it a little bit more and was like, more thankful for it because it's it's not like a gimmick it's just like kind of a natural thing that happened like if i was a a white girl or an asian boy or something i would still be playing guitar in a band but so it's just kind of something that naturally happened um and i'm i'm glad that it's it's played to our benefit it's cool to inspire people i always used to say that when i was younger like i would love to inspire other girls to do the same thing so now that i'm actually like at that point it's cool to look back and and uh, everything comes full circle. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I don't want to say rare now, but it, it definitely was more rare early on to even have, like, a female guitar player in a band, it's, mm-hmm. and especially in, like, a hardcore metal, you know, arena. Yeah. In America, I should say, because Europe kind of had a bunch of uh, female guitar players, too, coming up in metal. They do, yeah. But um, yeah, let alone, you know, like an African-American black female in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that does, it, it does. Uh, it's cool that you say you never saw it as a thing or never kind of, it never, no one ever told, or no one ever told you it wasn't a thing either. Cause yeah. you know, that could be very detrimental <laughs> growing up. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I'm glad I didn't, I didn't, uh, wasn't like super in tune to it early or anything like that because I'm, it didn't hinder the way I looked at, you know, me being able to learn guitar or anything like that. I didn't feel insecure about it or anything so i'm glad i didn't i never really thought about it that way um so i just like and and people ask me a lot they're like you know what female you know guitar players were your influences and i like i used to make stuff up like <laughs> i'd be like uh you know and then finally one day josh was just like 
you know, you don't have to make stuff up. Just say you didn't really have any. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's true. So I started just being like, you know, all my influences were like white dudes, you know, Slash and Kirk Hammond, Dimebag Daryl and stuff like that. That's who I watched and that's right. who I imitated. And um, so I didn't ever, I never looked at myself as, as any different uh, and, you know, until it was like, you know, everyone started talking about it, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Cause like that, I mean, granted forms of media and just kind of like, how an audience or an individual intakes content in general has changed over the course of, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So whereas you're right, it's, it's typically like a white male, like slash or, or, or Dimebag Daryl or any, or anyone like that. Cause that was like who fit the mainstream look of metal. And that's who it was kind of like pushed or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it's, right. it, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, everything is blending so much now and everyone's playing everything and everyone's experimenting with everything, how mm-hmm. it could be five years from now, 10 years from now. And just, Oh yeah. And, and even, even when I started like as a kid playing guitar, you still didn't see as many girls playing guitar as you do now. Like yeah, exactly. now I, I see them every day and I'm like, Oh man, that's another like female shredder. And like you said, a lot of them are not American. Like there's so many overseas, like in Russia and stuff, those girls slay guitar. Yes. I'm like, what <laughs> in the world? Um, but there's definitely so many more emerging every day, which is really cool. Like, and they're good. Like, you know, they're really good players. And even, you know, I really commend uh, Reba from Code Orange too, because I say it all the time. She is, she reminds me a lot of myself in the sense, like we get on stage with like t-shirts and like jeans on and like, you know, we're not like super like girly girl or anything like that. We just get up there and just slay guitar. And I love that about her. Um, it's all about the music and she's just super raw. Um, and like I said, even 10 years ago, like there wasn't really anyone like that in a, a band in the forefront, you know, oh, no, doing yeah, that. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah. It's definitely, um, I don't want to say like a new wave thing, but you know, a lot more people have been exposed to a lot more things than culturally they would be 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So, you know, it's becoming more of a norm. Right. Exactly. Um, so you guys all, did you guys all move out to LA and like live in like a gamer house? Like, did you all like get a house together and you're all like roommates? We, so we got an apartment in North Hollywood. Um, and two of us were in one room and two are in the other. Um, it's not like that. It's not like that anymore. Now me and Josh just live together, uh, in a two bedroom, but, um, yeah, we lived together for a while. And then actually our drummer never, um, lived with us though. It was a friend of ours, but, uh, he lived, you know, in Hollywood and then Ryan moved out our bass player. He finally moved to Burbank. He got his own place. So, but we did for the first year, uh, the three of three of us out of four were here and it, you know, it, it definitely, that helped a lot cause, Things were a lot cheaper, um, <laughs> and you know we could support each other. You know, it, it, a lot of people move out to LA by themselves, no kind of connection here whatsoever. Um, I grew up coming here a lot with my parents. My parents used to live out here for, before I was born, for like ten years or so. So like I I visited here all the time, so I was very familiar with LA. But it was nice moving here with the band, you know, mm-hmm. because I didn't feel alone in it or, or anything like that. Um. So. Did you guys like? Do you guys do see music full time, or is there like? Do you guys stream on Twitch as gamers, or do you guys have like day jobs and everything like that? We don't. We just literally do Tetrarch. That's it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely really, it's definitely nice. Um, 
I knock on wood, <laughs> but it's super nice. And like, we don't, we don't have to go to nine to five or anything like that. So, but it's nice because we've literally focused all day on, on this and it helps us a lot because I know how hard it would be to have to juggle both. We did work in restaurants like way be- when we first moved here, um, but we don't anymore. Would it be because you have uh, signed your new deal or was that something that you guys have just been kicking back and doing for a couple? We a stopped while? working a while, a while ago, um, but, you know, it, it's always helpful and, and nice that we do have, you know, a de- like a, a label in our corner now. So we're not doing everything um, – on our own, but we, we were able to start working before that. Interesting. Um, so you say you were mentioning team earlier. Do you guys have like a team around you as well? Like that runs certain things for you? Like you mentioned, you had a publicist and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So like, uh, it seems to be like younger bands <clears throat> that are more uh, on the come up seem mm-hmm. to have other people outside of their core group that help them along the way. Do you think that's becoming more of a norm too? I mean, you know, things are a little more accessible now than they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I think. Um, but we definitely, we have a team. We have, you know, a publicist, manager, um, a radio team, you know, promo team. So we had, we had a, we definitely had a full on team around us and we still do, um, even with the label. So it definitely, you kind of have to, in a sense, to get certain, certain things done. You know, we did a lot on our own for a lot of years. And then just adding that team just, you know, it's just added steroids to the whole equation. It was super helpful. So it's definitely a net. I, I think it's definitely necessary for for a band. You, um, you don't necessarily need it until a certain level, I don't think. But then when you get to that point, you kind of you kind of have to when you're dealing with like, you know, radio and and press and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier to have have a team behind you. Yeah, have someone else handle it for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so you guys, before you guys moved out there, were you guys touring a lot, or was it more like just weekender shows and this kind of thing? Because uh, when I we posted about a couple of your shows, I think, and mm-hmm. you did a, a tour with um, Devil Driver and Thirty Six Crazy Fist a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Um, yeah. Was that kind of like your intro into like a long stint on the road? We had we had. We've been touring a good bit since 2013, so we have done. Um, us- we had been touring a lot before that, um, but obviously it was like DIY type mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. and we would go out for like you know three four weeks um, at a time, um, and it was like we would a lot of times we would do like one or two of those a year, and then a lot of like week longers or two week long and stuff like that. But we'd have a couple like you know six weeks or, or whatever out on the road. Um, Devil Driver was the first tour with like a national tour like that. Like we had, we had played all those places, excuse me. We had played a lot of those places for the most part, but that was the first on an actual package. Like I a think. smaller, like a smaller D like a smaller bill. Yeah. 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 I think it was the first like with like, cause that was Devil Driver 36 Crazy Fist and Kane Hill. Yeah. So it was the first like that. Um, but it definitely wasn't the first tour. Interesting. Was yeah. Epicenter your first kind of taste at festival playing? It was. Yeah, that was our first uh, major festival. And that was last year's. Was that your uh, was that your only DWP festival, or did you play other ones? That was the only DWP fest. We played that one, and then we played uh, X and One Eleven, which isn't DWP, but we played that in October. The, that was the one in Tennessee at the Bonnaroo. 
Yes, exactly. Farm. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. How was that one? It was really cool. Because um, they're not it doing was, it anymore, so I, you know. Right. It was the same exact weekend as Aftershock. So even though they're on the separate parts of the country, mm-hmm. I still think it was weird to have it on that same weekend. Because, you know, people fly out to, to a lot of those festivals. So a lot of people flew to Aftershock, and I knew so many people in and in the industry and not in the industry that wanted to go to X11, but they couldn't because they had to go to Aftershock. So mm-hmm. I think that might have affected it a little bit. But it was still really fun, and that that bill was pretty awesome. Like, it was so mixed. You know, you had GNR and Lamb of God and Gojira and Deftones. It was, like, a really, really good bill. Right. Um, it was freezing cold. Like, it was, like, a really, really cold time of, of the year. It was, like, 20 degrees outside or something. <laughs> and it was just, like – so there was a couple things about it, but it was it was a really cool fest. Um, the guy who put it on, we have known for a long time. He used to book at our hometown venue in Atlanta at the Masquerade. Um, he's now, he now works for clear, uh, for clear channel. So, um, he did that, did that festival and it was super cool. Like I love it. I would play it again in a heartbeat. The fans were so nice. It had a blast. Um, only downside for me was it was freaking cold. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, I caught the flu that weekend. Oh, that sucks. I definitely have been to that same location in the summertime during Bonnaroo and it is, um, sometimes can be brutally hot. <laughs> oh Yeah. I can in the South, you know, it has the both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that brings me to my next question. Cause it seemed like you guys were kind of gearing up to do a lot more of that kind of stuff too. Um, how bummed were you that things have gotten kind of pushed back with this whole pandemic and like, how has that affected your, like your, your tour plans? Are you rescheduling a lot of the stuff or are you just, is everything different now with napalm? Um, a lot of it is just moved back. Cause like we weren't we didn't have like dates announced or like tours announced so that helped us a little bit it was all just in motion so we're able to just kind of easily move it to next year versus like having to cancel or having all these tickets sold already um so a lot of it's just being moved i know like a lot of the festivals like that were booked for this year have basically the, the same ones just moved to next year right so so a lot of stuff is just moved to next year, which is fine because that gave us a lot of time. Like I said, this pandemic kind of played to our advantage a little bit, and we didn't know it would, but it, it just kind of <laughs> did. So um, it's okay now, but live is what we love to do. We love playing shows, so we're trying to get back out as soon as we can. Um, I don't know if it's going to be America or Europe first, which is um, which will be interesting to see, but um, all of it's just moved back. Nothing has been, like, you know, detrimentally, you know, messed up or anything would that be your first time playing across across the pond yeah Um, yeah yeah that's a perk i guess of having a european record label too huh i mean yeah and i you know i know there won't be any shortage of of shows and festivals over there now because they're they're in austria so there's uh, you know their bands are constantly on festivals and all that kind of stuff so we're excited about it we've always wanted to go overseas and we were planning on going anyways but now I'm, I'm even more excited about about going over there. Yeah, you can definitely get your foot right on the foot in the door for a lot of those really cool metal festivals that they ha- have over in oh. Europe across the across Europe. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd like to go to download. That's on the list. That's on the bucket list. Me too. <laughs> That's like you know, like that. I had a download fest DVD as a kid, and like that was just the fest, you know, that I wanted. All I've always wanted to play. So I'm really excited to finally, hopefully, get on that and be playing download. That seem that seems like it has the biggest uh, mix as far as mm-hmm. like 
I guess for someone like me, an American, I guess it has the mm-hmm. biggest mix of bands that I would I could enjoy because it has all kinds of heavy genres. You know, no matter yeah. what you're into, it's like new metal, metal, black metal. They even do metalcore, hardcore sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be a great one. And it, and it's cool because all the stages are always packed. Like no matter if you're main stage or like side stage or in the tent stage or whatever, it's like there's thousands of people there just ready to have a good time. And and their mindset over there is a little different from over here, whereas they're super open to whatever band it is. Like they want to have a good time and enjoy it. And, you know, it's not about like, you know, how well they know the band or anything. If the band gets up there and they're having a good time, it looks like they're open to to everything. So that that's what's really cool. And, and that's what you hear a lot from bands about going over there is how different the fans are. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that that plays into like how your band is received over here in America? Like because you have kind of like a quote unquote new metal sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's funny. We actually went like we went over so many fans live because people always see us live and they're like, "Oh, you're heavier than I thought you were," and we're just like, "Oh, Jesus!" So like, you know, we gain so many fans when we're on tour and we're on the road because you know. We have songs that are, you know, new metal influence, but we have a lot that are just fucking heavy, and they come off really good live and really energetic. We put out a lot of energy at shows, so we've never seen any kind of negative backlash or anything from our live shows. It's always positive, so that's why we always can't wait to get get out there. And we don't even like we don't even call ourselves uh, like a new metal band ever. We're just like, oh, we're a metal band, you know. It definitely such says a ne- American metal band on your Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, you know, some people, there's like a, when people think new metal, a lot of times they think like Limp Bizkit, like instantly that comes to mind, and they're like, oh, rap metal, you know, and that's yeah. like, we're the furthest thing from Limp Bizkit possible, so we just say we fall under the metal umbrella, they're, they're, we have different influences in there, so. No, you you saying mainstream metal is definitely, I think, hitting it on the head, I mean, yeah. there's definitely people that will probably have a dislike for the term mainstream metal, but yeah. also there's people, you know, you would be a great band for someone who listens to like progressive rock radio, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Yeah. You may be a great band to transition someone into some like extreme form of metal too, because yeah. you have kind of different in, you know, like you all play different styles of music and whatnot altogether. Like you, you solo and, sh- and do other yeah. things on top of riffs and stuff like that too. So it, it's, it's cool that you can be that kind of band too. Yeah. And then we, we kind of had to learn that, we're not going to please everybody. <laughs> so, you know. Um, what? Yeah, I know. Something that we bands have to learn, which seems really silly. But, you know, you want to be, you want everybody to like you. But at some point, you're just like, I will literally go crazy if I, <laughs> I try to do that. So, you know, we just, like our fan demographic are usually, it's very wide age-wise. Age but they're usually more open metal fans that you'll see them with a Slipknot shirt on. Next day, you'll see them with an Opeth shirt on. Like, they're very, like, and that's how I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I wasn't, like, hardcore or die. You know, I was just, like, <laughs> it's, you know, I liked everything. Like, I can listen to The Ghost Inside. I can listen to Paramore. Like, I can listen to whatever. I'm just a music fan. So a lot of our fans are the same. Like, they'll be, like, you know, their favorite band might be Bullet From My Valentine or, or something like that, and they love our band. Um, but a we the elitist are not our biggest fans, but that's honestly fine with us. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's going to be a lot of uh, like I said earlier, it, 
I think the gatekeeping for that kind of stuff has started to fade away, especially because, like, like you said, younger people in general just come up listening to whatever and not having anyone chastise them, so 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 to speak. But like, I grew up in the time where that was the, was the was the yeah. situation. So like, when I was listening to Paramore, I had to do it in private, and so you know, it was I couldn't admit <laughs> out out that I'd like, oh yeah, you know, I listened to Paramore or or uh, yeah. Taking Back Sunday or anything. It was always like. Nah, bro, I'm just like hardcore or die. Yeah, so, no, yeah. hardcore only, man. <laughs> it was a good time, so, though, you know? <laughs> it, it was really funny, though, because I remember the – we, like, coming up, like, we would play shows. Pretty much most fan bases really got into the show. Like, we just put on a pretty – you know, not to your own horn, but we put on a good live show. We've been playing live so long that – you know, usually people have a blast at our shows, but the one crowd that just never got into us was like that that super hardcore fan base. Like I remember we played this festival on tour one time in San Antonio, Texas, and it was we got thrown on a bill. It was like a hardcore festival at this. It was like what was that venue called? The White Swan or no? I forgot what it's called. But anyways, we got thrown on this festival, and it was like a two stage, like a two room festival, and there was probably like six hundred kids there. Mm-hmm. And so like they would stagger the stages. Everybody was in the other room. We we're setting up, getting ready. And we're like, man, there's so many kids here. It's gonna be sick. And literally, when we started playing, they all went outside. Like, <laughs> I think there was like three people in the room. And I'm telling you, there was like six to seven hundred people at this thing. And we were just like, I don't think hardcore fans really care about our band too much. So that was, you know, that's one that you know they weren't like fans of ours, but they were they respected our band. They always respected us. But as far as just being like fan fans, eh, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to win those that crowd over sometimes. Yeah, and they have their bands they know and they love those bands and that's what they go see and they're not trying to divert from that. So, um with the with the new metal resurgence and stuff like that, what would be like some prime tour packages that you would you and the band would like to play with? And are you planning on doing any of that? Yeah, nothing planned really. Um, you know, but I mean, it's it's funny because the bands that we would like to, you know, obviously we're one of those bands where like we want a headline, like so that's always the goal. We're always shooting for that. But um, I would say, you know, like it, it doesn't. It's no surprise, but like I would love to tour with, you know. Disturbed. I'd love to tour with Slipknot, of course. I'd love to tour with Corn. Um, I'd love to tour with, you know, can't tour with Lincoln Park, but that'd be super awesome. Just it, just your the ones that you would just be able to naturally pick, and most people would say like System of Down would be completely mm-hmm. awesome. Um, bands like that, like I said, I was never into like super got into like any of like the underground. Like people compare us a lot to Edema, and me and Josh are like. <laughs> We know one Edema song, and it was after everyone started comparing us to Edema. Like, we had never listened to him before. So, um, you know, it would probably just be your typical bands. It, like, my first metal show was Metallica, Linkin Park, Deftones, Mudvayne, Limbiscuit. It was Summer Sanitarium 2003. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, and so, like, that build to this day is still, like, I'm like, oh, you just wouldn't see that anymore. It of course sick. not, yeah. Yeah, um but something like that would be amazing. But it was a, it was obviously a stadium tour. It was at the baseball stadium and stuff like that. But it's really cool. I wish we could see stuff like that again, you know. But. Who knows? I think with the – well, maybe with the lack of shows and touring in general, maybe they can go for broke and have a lot of these big-name bands do yeah. big, big stadium tours like that. That's true. Maybe people will be so excited to get back and, and get to a show that they'll be – 
buying tickets and stuff. It'd be it'd be great. We're we're hoping for the best. Like I said, we have some pretty wicked touring plans coming up uh, for next year. We were talking about them today with our team and um, not with new metal bands, but there's some, <laughs> some really good bands. So we're we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully the crowds are ready. You know. Yeah, how does that affect like your your guys' planning? Are you worried that there will be too many shows once everything starts back up, or are you guys just gonna be like, screw it, we're gonna throw ourselves in the mix? It's definitely something to think about, but at this point, we're not worried about uh, the competition of it um, because I, you know, like I said, I think people will be really also more appreciative of shows. I think for a little while at least, they'll be like, oh man, we see what it was like with a year of no shows, like that sucked. Um, we're going to go out and have a good time and go to as many shows as we can. So hopefully a lot of people look at it like that, but we're not, we're not worried about it. Like I said, the package that we're working on now, um, uh, that we were talking about today, it's nothing to be afraid of with it. So, <laughs> uh, we're excited. We're more excited than nervous about it. Cool. Well, um, that kind of wraps it up for us. Is there anything else that you would like to, you know, plug, whether it be your new album coming out or, you know, something that you promote or that you're, into or whatever or something that we should check out yeah just for everyone to keep an eye on on everything we're doing like on our socials and everything i mean things pop up it seems like every other day now um it's a good problem to have but you know i just appreciate everybody's support and just keep checking back our album will be out we'll have some new singles out in the next month or two and and yeah just uh keep riding that wave (laughs) and then yeah the your socials are going to be in the description but if you want to go ahead and tell them what they are so they can follow you too yeah yeah um so uh facebook is tetrarch music uh instagram's tetrarch music youtube's tetrarch live um twitter is just tetrarch so pretty much anywhere you type in tetrarch will will probably pop up there's not (laughs) many things with that name except for like a gaming company that's like tetrarch I don't know, Tetrarchy or something, but you'll, you'll know the difference. The Call of, the Call of Duty game maker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is, uh, uh, you spell it T-E-T-R-A-R-C-H, correct? Exactly. Cool. And if you're watching it on YouTube, it's your flag that you have in the back. <laughs> there you go. Well, cool, Diamond. Thank you very much for taking your time on this Monday with us, and um, good luck in the future, and hopefully we hear from you again. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same so if that sounds cool you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and i'll see you there